Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. Scripture this morning is taken from the 24th chapter of Matthew, verse 12. Because lawlessness is increased, the love of most people will grow cold. You may be seated. Good morning. God is good <clears throat> all the time. So we found the clicker. I had a couple of the uh, AV guys going, did you already grab your clicker? No, I didn't. Okay, we got a backup clicker instead. So nice to know that we're all always prepared. I hope that you'll come, especially the ladies, I hope you'll come this evening at five o'clock to uh, support our little ladies. And uh, I'll tell you this, when I preach, I, I don't feel the building quite like our young kids do. But when they come, they can fill that building. So I don't know, I may need to scoot over more often than not. But um, they've been practicing, uh, the little ladies and the little gentlemen, and they're going to lead us in worship tonight. So let, let's say a prayer for them. Will you bow with me? Our Father, I want to thank you for the families, the grandparents, the parents uh, of, of these young ladies and young men that will lead us in worship tonight. I want to thank you for them for uh, instilling in them faith and the fear and admonition of you. Father, in a world where sometimes you look at the youth and people can only complain, I'm thankful that we can see good here in, among this body. And I pray for them that, Father, that, uh, that they will be brave and courageous and have peace to worship you tonight and to lead us in worship. And Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that have been working with them so, Lord, we just love you, and we're so thankful, and we're very grateful for these, for these young children and their abilities and their willingness to serve in this capacity. For we know, Father, as our Lord says, that unless we all convert and become like one of the little ones, that we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So let us look to them as an example today, and we pray, Father, that our worship will be a pleasing aroma that ascends before your throne. And Father, we give you thanks for them and for their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the past few years, a lot of things have happened. And with things, as it can go, with things that happen, you know it can have an effect on people. Uh, let's just cover the last few years some of the things that have happened. Uh, things that uh, you take an issue, whatever it is, that can lead to a bit of cynicism based on whatever. So we've got COVID, right? We all remember that. Fun times, huh? Yeah. Don't want to go back to that. Uh, then you have the tragic events of uh, surrounding George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and various others. Uh, the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. A highly contentious presidential election. Russia invades Ukraine. Hamas invades Israel. And there's a rise of anti-Semitism. Uh, and you know, events can bring out either the best of us or the worst in us. And we could probably all say, you know, there are times along in the past few years when these events have occurred and I've had strong opinions, my temper has gotten the better of me, 
And if I had to do it over again, I would probably not say this, that, or the other, whatever it may be. So sometimes just life and the events surrounding life, especially when they seem monumental, can really alter a person's perspective, can make you grow a little cynical, can make you not necessarily want to show the love of Christ as we're commanded to do. The events of which Jesus is speaking in Matthew 24 really are in the similar way fitting. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew 24, uh, let's look at this passage at the beginning, leading up to the verse that Corey read for us a moment ago. Verse 1 and verse 2. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So we'll pause there. Jesus is speaking about the destruction of Jerusalem. Matthew was probably written somewhere in the 60s, 50s or 60s. And toward the latter part of the 60s AD, the, uh, the Romans would siege Jerusalem. And eventually in 70, the year 70, they would destroy the temple. And so this is what Jesus is telling them about. In Luke's version of this, he begins by saying, in Luke 21, verse 20, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Again, speaking about the destruction of the city. So in AD 70, this would happen, and there would be a few that would, that would hold out uh, they would go up on this mountain called Masada. And the Romans actually built a ramp to get up to the top of that summit. It's really neat. If you were to look up Masada, M-A-S-A-D-A, -A, you can see pictures of that ramp that the Romans built just to get up there to kill the remaining revolutionaries. They would sadly commit suicide rather than being uh, uh, caught by the Romans and be made prisoners. But look at verses 6 and 8 in Matthew 24 with me. Excuse me, 6 through 8. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. A lot of people read this passage and they think, oh, the end of the world. Not every time end or age is mentioned is, is the Bible speaking about the end of the world. Uh, this is one such, uh, one such uh, uh, particular passage. Now, verse 7, you're going to have famines and pestilences. That usually results from warfare, um, earthquakes, and famines. Uh, if you recall in Acts chapter 11, verses 27 to 30, uh, Agabus, the prophet, uh, foretold about a famine that was going to come to Jerusalem. And then there are a couple of various other sources, historical sources. Uh, for example, during the reign of uh, the Emperor Nero, uh, there were, in the 60s, there were earthquakes that are recorded. There are a couple of works called The Life of Apollonius and another one called Erosius that record earthquakes in Crete and various cities of Asia Minor. So, you know, these are things that history says 
around the time that Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, these things actually occurred. And you got to note where at the end of verse 6, Jesus says the end is not yet. Now verse 3, look at verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and to the end of the age. Again, you go, well, the sign of Jesus is coming. That has to talk about the second coming of Christ. Uh, first of all, the coming of the Lord isn't always speaking about his second coming, in a manner of speaking. Um, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, when you see that Daniel sees this one like a son of man coming on the clouds, when you read that passage, it's actually talking about the ascension of Jesus to the right hand of God. But he's not talking about the end of the world. He's talking about the end of the age, the end of the Jewish state, if you will. Uh, verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdoms will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. We notice in several other passages where Paul uh, speaks about the gospel having reached the ends of the earth. <clears throat> so all these bad things that are going to occur, think about this, wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and all that trouble. Verse 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. We know about Simon the magician. We know that there were some in Galatia who were teaching another gospel Paul wrote about. We know about in 2 Timothy 2, Hymenaeus and Philetus. We know also John, 1 John 4, there were, uh, there were false spirits going throughout the world. And now we come to verse 12. Because of all these things that are happen happening, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. All of these circumstances, wars, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, persecution, death, people will look around and they'll get sick of it. And love will grow cold. Events that happen sometimes just make us cynical. We can't see any good. We assume the worst of other people's motives. And you just go, what's the point? Really, what's the point anymore? It's understandable. It's understandable that uh, events that occur in a person's life can make them cynical. Many people go, well, I don't ever see how anyone could ever be cynical. You, well, you've got a very blessed life if, if you're never prone to going to that place. Obviously, all the events that would occur in the lifetime of many of these saints in, in, in their time, we've not had to endure, but we've had other things that we've seen. Other things that have occurred maybe on a world scale or maybe in a, in, in personal, uh, in a personal manner. And so when our love grows cold, sometimes it affects not only 
how we view people, but it also can affect our faith. There was years ago uh, at a, a congregation where we were serving, there was a lady and I, I felt real bad for her because it's, she was one of those unfortunate souls that it's like if anything bad could happen, it was going to happen to her. And she had had not the best life. And then she had had things happen just in the time that I had been at that congregation. And then she had had something else happen. And I wasn't seeing her for a while, but her son was always coming. And I just said, Jesse, how's your mom doing? I've, you know, hadn't seen her in a while. He said, ah, she's struggling right now. I'm like, do you think it'd be helpful if I made a visit? He's like, no, I think it'd be a bad idea. Okay, fair enough. He said, yeah, she made the remark, well, going to church doesn't do any good because look at what all God is putting me through. I thought, man, that's so sad. You know, she was cynical. But also she, she had a, a, an incorrect view. Our relationship with God is not transactional as some would think it. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, Lord, if I'm faithful to you, if I go to church, if I pray, if I read my Bible, if, 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 I, uh, if I give, if I help others, if I'm honest, and I'm, then that means life should be easy, right? That's not always how it works. A lot of the folks that are converting in mass are people that live in countries that have some of the worst circumstances. And so rather than how we let bad things get us down, they are already there. And to them, the gospel truly is good news. I got nothing going for me. Not really. But you tell me of this good news, of eternal life, of salvation, of being loved, of heaven. For some people, that is so sweet. But for us, we who are so privileged, we who are so, we like to say blessed. Uh, I don't know if it's blessed or not. Maybe it is. I think sometimes the things that we look at as blessings may not be. Thank you for our material blessings, Lord. Well, that's not always a blessing. Thank you for our prosperity. That's not always a blessing. Thank you for good health. Yeah, I'm very thankful. That is a blessing, I think. But you know, some people, when they have bad health, it draws them closer to the Lord. The spiritual blessings that God has given us, uh, forgiveness of sins, grace, mercy, salvation, uh, the hope that we have of going to heaven, those are blessings. But sometimes the things that we look at as blessings, materially speaking, can be the very things, because it's so easy, can be the very things that when times get tough, lead us to a state of cynicism. You know, no matter what happens, there's lately something that I've been saying to myself. We had a little, uh, a little plumbing incident at the house a few weeks ago. And so I opened the door to the laundry room and some water had backed up. Ah, ah, ah. It was on tile, but still, ah, I hate that stuff. And I don't know what it is. I was talking to somebody, I said, I don't know why, but whenever there's spilt liquid, it just makes me mad. And I don't know why. You know? Uh, and so I'm, water had backed up. And so, and, and like I'm brain dead, I'm like, I need towels. And Bree said, why don't you just use your shop vac? That's a good idea. So I go get the shop vac, clean that all up and, and everything. And so I'm walking out, taking the shop vac, and I'm just seething. My face is, I don't know if it's red or not, but it felt like it was red. 
And I was just so angry. Can you believe it? And I get out and I take the thing off and I'm dumping the water I vacuumed up. I just took a breath. I said, Stephen, you do not live in Israel or Gaza. If this is the worst you have to face, get over it. And sometimes we're like that. The little bitty things just send us off. Or is that just me? Oh, it's him too? Oh, well, somebody's pointing at their husband. <laughs> well, at least I'm not alone. But I got to think, I was like, you know, the things that really upset me, it's like, you know, I know brother so-and-so is dealing with this. I know sister so-and-so is dealing with that. I know these people over in this part of the world are facing this. These folks over there have faced that. I'm like, you know, do you really have problems? Speaking for myself, no, not really. These are manageable things. But even sometimes the manageable things causes our love to grow cold. So maybe if you're there, you go, well, what do I do? How do I get out of that? I want to give you a passage and a couple of goals for you to look at. First of all, ask yourself, what is my pursuit? What are you seeking after? Hebrews 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Our word pursue here indicates the chase as if you're hunting. Now, most of us, we hunt by just staying stationary. Uh, but there's uh, also other methods where you stalk your prey and you hunt there. But So that's kind of the idea. What is it that you are after? The author to the Hebrew letter says, pursue peace with all people. If that would be attainable, it would be really, really nice. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans, so much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And you go, well, I try, but there are some people I just can't. All you can do is make the effort. Do the best you can do. You can't. It's like if you mess up and you go to someone and you go, I want to apologize for this. Well, you can do your part. It's up to them whether or not they want to forgive that and move on past it. But you pursue peace with all people. So don't be contentious. Don't be one who just, you know, loves to argue. Never understood that. If you want to argue, I'll just walk away and let you argue. I don't really care, you know. But some people, they have to be right. And, you know, I used to be that way. And then I realized, you know, Jesus never argued anybody into the kingdom of heaven. When you go back and read scripture, he never argued anybody into the kingdom of heaven. Neither did the apostles. Now, they had some uh, discussions and maybe some contentious debates with others. But that's not the way to, to win souls. So pursue peace with all people. I'll be glad to tell anyone why I believe what I believe, but I'm not going to shove it down your throat any more than I want you to take your ideology, whatever that may be, and shove it down mine. So pursue peace with all people. Now here's the second thing. And holiness. Notice the end of the phrase. Without which no one will see the Lord. And you go, man, that's a tall order, isn't it? To live a holy life. There's, uh, there's a passage in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah has this glimpse, this vision of the Lord. And he's there in what, what you would say is the throne room of heaven. And he says, I saw the Lord lofty and the, the, the train of his robe filled the whole temple. He said, even the foundations of the doorpost trembled as these... Heavenly angels, these seraphim, 
cried out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Kadosh, 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 you'd say in Hebrew. Now, here's the thing. Uh, a little Hebrew lesson, because I know you enjoy this. In the Hebrew language, there's no punctuation, so you can't put an exclamation point beside something. So if you want to emphasize something, you repeat it. So when you read about Isaiah seeing this vision and he hears these heavenly angels repeat, holy, 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 that's the exclamation point. Now think about all the things that God is. God is love, right? We read in the New Testament. God is abounding in loving kindness. We read that. God is gracious. All of these things that we read that God is, the only one that is given to us in an emphatic manner is His holiness. Peter quotes in 1 Peter 1 verses 15 through 16, he quotes from the book of Leviticus where it says, Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Sounds like a tall order, doesn't it? But I'll tell you this, God never asks anything of us that we can't do. It's just more or less we'll make excuses as to why we're not going to do it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. So the peace is with people. The holiness obviously is our conduct and, and, and how we relate to the Lord. So what is your pursuit? Matthew Henry wrote, Safety consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. Peace that Jesus gives us, uh, excuse me, peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble, but it is rather the confidence that he's always there with you. Peace is such a precious jewel that I would give anything for it but truth. So, first of all, what's your pursuit? That's the first question to ask. Secondly, am I looking out? The second verse following the one we just read, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up causing trouble, and by this many have become defiled. I don't know, we had, uh, we had moved to Kentucky, what was it, back in 09, when we came to New Concord to minister, does that sound about right, Stephanie, 09? So like, the very next morning, after our first night here in Callaway County at New Concord, I walked out and there's forks all in the yard. I was like, what is this? Apparently it's a thing in Kentucky to fork a person's yard. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you, yeah, some of you have done it. Now in Tennessee, you would TP a person's yard. Toilet paper is what TP means, not Indian TP. Um, so I thought, I, I thought, boy, Kentucky really is different, you know. When we were kids, we would uh, identify someone, some worthy subject, and we'd get a whole bunch of toilet paper. We'd go in the middle of the night, early morning, and you'd be real quiet, and you'd take that toilet paper and you'd fling it all through the trees. Do y'all do that in Kentucky? So, okay, some of you are familiar with it. I don't know, because things are different. Like in Tennessee, football's the big thing. I moved to Kentucky, basketball. I'm like, in Tennessee, basketball is what you did because football wasn't in. It was just something to pass the time. So, you know, different emphases in different things. But whenever you were toilet papering a person's house, you always had to have a lookout. 
And there was always that person that could make some special little whistle sound like some kind of bird. And if you heard it, you go, oh, retreat, you know, get out of there. It was, it was good fun, but you always had to have a lookout in case you got caught. And every once in a while, you would get caught. The worst thing that could happen is you'd be deep in the country and you'd hear a gunshot. That's not a good time at all. But it was just good old country fun. So, so looking carefully lest you fall short of the grace of God. I would love to talk to the author of this letter uh, in, in more detail and say, you know, unpack that more for me. And perhaps not pursuing peace with people and also not living a holy life is one of the ways that we fall short of the grace of God. But also lest any root of bitterness spring up causing trouble. And by this, many have become defiled. I'll be honest with you, I, I try not to be a bitter person, but I think sometimes maybe I am. And maybe until I'm around a person or in a place, I don't realize how bitter I am. If I were to ask you what's something that sticks with you right now, what's, you know, and you could probably tell me some event or something that someone said or the way someone treated you, uh, you might could point to that and you go, eh, still haven't let that go. There's a couple of individuals, one of them is now deceased. I didn't really think much of them. Actually, I didn't think of them at all. But whenever I was around them, it kind of brought back those bad memories. And I realized, you know, I'm still kind of bitter over this. And that's just no way to live. You know, someone said, uh, you know, not forgiving or holding on to a grudge is like you drinking the poison expecting the other person to die. It just doesn't work that way. I thought that's a pretty good way to look at it if you think about it. So what's my pursuit and am I looking out? We have to constantly be watchful because we never know. And yeah, things can, can be really bad. Things can be really negative institutions that should be trusted can violate that trust, can lose credibility. People that made promises will not keep those promises. And so you say, well, you just can't trust anyone. You know, it used to be that a man's handshake was as good as a contract, but now you got to have contracts. And if a man said, I give you my word, that was better than gospel because you knew he was going to see it through no matter what. Obviously, I'm speaking hyperbolically, but... Uh, now we get to a point of, of cynicism, and sometimes all we can see is the bad. Well, what are you filling your mind with? You know, if you watch the news constantly, yeah, you'll be in a dark place. You know, there was, there's always something negative that's going on. But, but stop for a second in, in the cynicism and say, what what blessings exist? Well, first of all, and this question will be answered the same way no matter the circumstances, does God love me? Yes. Yes. God loves me. Jesus died for me. I have the hope of eternal life and not eternal damnation. I got that going for me. I've got a healthy family. 
I got that going for me. What's that song we sing? Something like Count Your Many Blessings. Y'all heard that before? Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one. Count Your Many Blessings, see what God has done. That's a good way if you're in this mindset of cynicism, in this place of negativity, that's a good thing to start doing. And you can even, some people it helps if they take a, a, a notebook or a sheet of paper and write them down. Because sometimes the negative overshadows the good. But when we have God and when we have the salvation that we have and the hope that we have, why be so negative? Now there are some people that their default mode is just to find fault, to always be negative. Okay, that's just how some people are. You can't change it, I can't change it. But I can work on me. That's the one person I can work on. And if I'll yield, I can let God work on me as well. God loves me no matter what. Jesus died to save me. I have a loving church family. And I think if I ever needed anything, I could call anybody in here and you'd be there. I believe that. And if I'm wrong, then let me just, let me live in my blissful ignorance. I have so much for which to be thankful, you and I do. When things don't go well, rather than letting it tear me apart, just look to God and go, you know, I know this hasn't surprised the Lord. There are a lot of things that I don't like, you know, some surprises I don't like. Like on my birthday, I will never go out to eat because I don't want the staff singing to me. Don't do that. I'll, I, Stephanie said she was going to do it years ago. I said, I will get up and walk out. They can sing to y'all. I don't like that. But now I like to do that to other people. Isn't that hypocritical? Well, we're not all perfect, are we, Gary? <laughs> but yeah, don't do that to me, but I love doing it to you. Um, but you know, we, we are so fortunate. And no matter what bad is happening, we have a lot that we can look back on. We can count our blessings. And we can definitely be thankful. I think if there's ever anybody on the face of the earth that ought to be happy and people just go, boy, they're odd, it ought to be Christians. We have got so much going for us because of what God has done for us. Salvation, eternal life. You know, no matter how bad things are, guess what? There's a better place that God has prepared for us. Is it rough here? Yeah, yeah, rough here. But you know what? I trust in God. No matter what, God is king of the earth. He is creator of the earth. You see all these evil people doing things around the world. You know what? They are not more powerful than God. Their arsenals are not more powerful than God. Their politics are not more powerful than God. May he have mercy on those that are suffering. But you know what? No matter how bad it is, God is good. As we say every Sunday morning. And we say that not as a mindless anthem, but believing it. And I hope you do. I do. Now, you wouldn't know this, but I was, just before worship started, out of nowhere, I had a sudden rush of an anxiety attack. That's not fun. <laughs> i got to preach. So, took some medicine and I'm, something's flying in front of me. 
took some medicine, and I was like, all right, come on, pull it, pull it together, Hunter. Pull it together. You can do this. You can do this. Now, if you've had an anxiety attack, you know how bad that is. So I was like, come on, you can do this. You can do this. Come on, talk yourself into it. Medicine, work, please. And um, I, told, I even told Gary, I said, Gary, I've had to take medicine for an anxiety attack. He said, okay, what's your topic? I said, beware cynicism. He said, I got you. <laughs> but, you know, even, even in the face of that, you know, God is good. He's blessed us all. He's done so much for us. So, you know, look at life through the lenses of the blessings that God has given us. That's what I want to leave you with. And, you know, if, if you're a person that uh, you're not a Christian, um, you know, sometimes... Someone said in a prayer recently, sometimes the only sermon that some people ever hear is what they see us living. And they should see us living a certain way, according to the gospel. Live as if we believe in that hope. Live as if we are proud of that good news, not ashamed of it. And let people see it. And maybe that will be what urges somebody to want to become a child of God. So I offer you an invitation. If you're not one of God's children, if you're not a Christian, wait a second, church, don't pack up just yet. I see you moving. Stop it. If you are not a Christian, if you have faith that Jesus is the Son of God, you need to confess that faith, repent of your sins. That means turn away from them and turn to God and be buried with the Lord in baptism where your sins are washed away. If you've done that and you're a Christian and you've sinned or you need uh, God's forgiveness, all you need to do is confess your sins and he who is faithful and just will forgive you and cleanse you your sins. But if we can help in either of these ways, just come to the front as we stand and sing.